Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle, the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war-torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times. Hello and welcome to the 107th episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast for the episode The Gathering. I am your host, Michael Cohen. Uh, with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt Crinky. Hey, I'm back again, man. I was, I was gone one week. I apologize for that. Man, this work gets in the way sometimes of the Clone Wars. <laughs> I don't like that. And, it's good uh, to be back. They're good to be back, though, Mike. And uh, joining us this week, I, I figured since... We have some uh, some big news that we're going to discuss that uh, that Matt and I were not quite enough. So we brought in uh, Eric Goldman from IGN.com. Uh, he's the TV. Are, are you an editor or or just one of the right? You're the editor, uh, officially, right? Officially, my title is executive editor. Executive editor. OK, so, yeah, I, I wanted um I wanted to, to bring you in specifically once that news hit. I'm pretty sure, like, we, we all heard the news that morning, and then that afternoon I had asked you, because we had talked at C6 about you coming on, right. uh, that I think now's the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little, yeah. little bit of an eventful week. Yeah, just a little bit. So I wanted to bring in somebody who has a little bit more knowledge of the of the workings of, uh, of, of the, the TV industry and uh, uh, all that sort of stuff, a little bit more than Matt and I uh, have. So uh, so with that, we're just going to jump right into the news. And uh, everybody already knows what we're going to be talking about in the news segment anyways. <laughs> Let's get over there. Welcome. I have been expecting This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. <laughs> And like I said, Micah, you know, we, we kind of obviously jumped on this right away last week, but I just wanted to get a couple more thoughts out and, and I'll just I'll just summarize uh, what I've been feeling the last week or so. Um, it's just that, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I don't think it can be in better hands than than than, uh, you know, Disney right now. And I'm kind of happy for for George Lucas, because like we talked about briefly, Mike, last week, mm-hmm. is that he wanted to kind of, how, how do you put this? 
he had to let go of it to make sure it would be taken care of. You know what I mean? Like, and we talked about this last week, and, and I thought that was a huge move by him because this is his thing. This has been his thing. I mean, this is what put him on the map, made him what he is today, and to let it go. But, like I said, he put it to Disney where he knows it's going to be taken care of, and they're doing nothing but gold right now. I'm telling you what. So um, and it's nice to, for him to be able to sit back and just and be a kind of a participant now he gets to see it he gets to sit in the movie theater i mean he's gonna see it before anybody else obviously and he's got a little bit of control but you know what this is all good i'm happy for him um and i'm excited for the next you know nine plus years what we're gonna get so what do you think why what's your after a week of uh sinking in what do you think yeah, so I mean, we've we've all kind of had now uh, almost a week to digest this information, and uh, <laughs> I said to Crystal on Sunday, uh, I had it like it was like ten forty five, and I looked at my watch and and I was like, wow, it's ten forty five. This is the latest in the day that I haven't thought about the fact that there's a Star Wars movie coming out in 2015. <laughs> I like every morning it's been one of the first thoughts that's popped into my head and it's one of the only things that I can focus on right now cuz there's just so much going on and so much swirling about and uh, and there's a lot of people out there reporting news as if it's actual news when really it's just rumors. Um uh, there, there's a couple websites out there that, that keep putting stuff out and saying this is what's happening and what they're going off of is the same 15 minutes of soundbite that everybody's been going off of since last Tuesday. But it's sort of that like that telephone game of like, well, so-and-so said that so-and-so said that so-and-so said, so now it's official news. So uh, it, it's been really difficult to sort of wade through everything. Um, I had a conversation with Tim uh, about what's, what we're going to post on the site and what we're not posting on the site. And I, I said to him at one point, just leave all the rumors and speculation to everybody else. We have podcasts for that, so we'll do that in the podcast. We'll talk about our own personal ideas and what we think. But when it comes to the website, let's just report the news. If something's coming from an official channel or from an individual who's associated with an official channel, like Mark Hamill or George Lucas says something or somebody from Disney says something or a director says, yes, I have been asked to direct. Um, if it's anything lower than that, let's just leave it for the podcast and we'll discuss it as rumor and speculation. Right. Um, so, so with all that stuff going on, uh, it's been difficult to figure out what, you know, how we're supposed to feel about some of this information. Because you go like, well, okay, so it's, it's going to be an original story, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're going to throw out all of the expanded universe stuff. We might get some expanded universe stuff in there because there's been expanded universe stuff put in episode two and three. So... You know, and that like George Lucas right. himself said, you know, like I really like that character that they created. Let's throw them into the movie. Um, and uh, and there's some stuff that we consider expanded universe, but that maybe Lucasfilm doesn't like. Let's say The Force Unleashed, which kind of really walks that fine line of whether or not it's canon or it's actual or or it's a expanded universe. So it's just kind of out there, right? Um, so it's been it's been difficult to to reconcile a lot of the information that we're being bombarded with on a daily basis but my personal feelings on everything 
on Disney and their their move to to purchase Lucasfilm and produce new Star Wars movies. Uh, I just saw Wreck It Ralph last night, mm-hmm. and it is a phenomenal movie from start to finish and there's a lot of copyrighted characters in there that belong to other people and they treated them all with with a lot of respect so uh it that's an instance where you can see how disney takes other people's brands and and respects them uh and then on top of that you know just the the history of their work uh with with miramax uh and and sort of letting those artists do their thing and just purchasing miramax because they thought that it was a good investment that it was something that they wanted to be a part of so um i'm hoping that that's where where this is all gonna go so i'm really uh I know I'm optimistic about it. I, I I love Disney and I think that they're a great company. I think that a lot of what they're doing in the last five years is uh, is is sort of the beginning of, of this new age of Disney where where they're going to be producing lots of really high quality great stuff. So uh, now that Marvel and Star Wars and Lucasfilm and, and everything that comes along with all of those those entities are under the Disney banner. It's, I, I don't know. It, it just, it seems like we're in for a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, and uh, I'm just sitting back and waiting to hear some actual mm. news, like some something coming from Lucasfilm. So hopefully we'll get a new YouTube video from them soon uh, or something like that. Yeah. Eric, uh, you're on the other side I and mean, you, you deal with a lot of different uh, kind of pop culture stuff. Uh, what was your initial reactions and all that? Uh, incredibly excited. Um, you know, yeah, I can't believe that there's going to be a new Star Wars movies. I'd really had just decided. Yeah. I think like most of us, it, I thought that was done and there's not going to be one. And certainly if there was going to be one, it wasn't going to be anytime soon. So the fact that there is going to be a Star Wars movie in three years is kind of insane. And like you were saying, I had something that almost, you know, pretty much every day I'm thinking about and getting really excited and going, oh, my God, there's going to be a new Star Wars movie to go to pretty soon uh so first and foremost i'm just psyched for that and then yeah with with disney i i feel a lot of the same i'm very optimistic about it and the history of disney as a company first of all i love disney as a company i'm a big disney fan but also yeah you mentioned a lot of this as far as their treatment of other companies you go back to stuff like miramax uh but you know you also look in recent years they bought pixar and you know it's not that they bought pixar and they said okay we were in control they bought Pixar, and then John Lasseter, not only did he stay in control of Pixar, he took control of all of Disney animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they knew what they were doing as far as, like, they wanted him because of his talent. They wanted they didn't want to just take it over and do their thing. And then, of course, I'm a giant, giant Marvel fan, and I completely think that they've done right by Marvel. And you look at Avengers, which was made under their watch, and how great that was and how well-received that was. Uh, I just think it's really exciting, and it's funny because... You know, working for IGN, we've been printing up a lot of stories about this, including, of course, the initial story. And there's a lot of people really excited, but there is those cynics and those people who make a lot of easy jokes about, oh, they're going to Disney Fi Star Wars and they're going to put, like, you know, Miley Cyrus will now suddenly be in Star Wars and all these stupid things. And we went through the exact same thing with Disney and Marvel. Uh, you know, I was at IGN when Marvel was bought by Disney and all the same sort of cynical things slash jokes were made. And at the end of the day, I think they've done very right by that company. You know, my only, the only thing I'll say ahead of time, my, I guess my uh, guarded, I don't want to say pessimism, the only thing that will happen is when they actually announce 
who is making these movies, you know, then we'll all have our we'll all have our opinions on what we think of those filmmakers. But right now, yeah, it's a lot of rumors. It's really hard to sort through all the rumors, a lot of speculation, which is exciting. Uh, but for now, it's just an exciting time. And I think uh, it's, it's in good hands. It's definitely in good hands with Disney. Well, yeah, you said, Eric, exactly. Rumors and speculation. I mean, look at the stuff that's gone on in just a week. I mean, they're talking about, like you said, Mike, episode seven is, is going to be an original story. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not going to have Skywalkers in it or something like that. Um, you know, that Mark Hamill knew this was going on for a long time, for months, apparently. Uh, you know, what's going to happen to the Clone Wars TV series? Uh, obviously, that's got to go over to Disney, right, Mike? I mean, where, where else is it going to go? Um, so lots of different rumors and speculation going around and, and just news. Uh, some other big news is that, hey, he's going to donate a lot of his money, Lucas, to to uh, to charity, which is kind of cool. And here's another thing. I just end with this. Like, I think it's just good, like, from, for everybody because, like, for us who are big Star Wars fans and like pretty much a lot of stuff that, that he put out, it's a plus. And for everybody who kind of, you know, the prequels are okay. I didn't like the way George Lucas wrote and this and that and the dialogue. You got to be happy about this, too, because he's – it's out of his hands now, you know, it's going to be other directors. And, and so how could this not be good for everybody? You know, anybody that's not excited about this. Wow. I don't know what else is going to get you excited, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. What do you think? I just want to circle back to that, that comment about clone Wars leaving cartoon network going to Disney. Um, that's what, that is actually one of those specific, points that that is turned from a rumor into actual news without anybody actually coming out and saying clone wars is leaving cartoon network and going to disney xd um bob Iger said in in the initial sort of press barrage that they put out there uh, i think in a phone call with the press they uh, that disney xd is a perfect home for Star Wars in the future for the animated stuff that they want to do that they have uh, they, they have plans and they definitely that it's it, that's within the scope of everything that they're looking at uh, is, is to put animated Star Wars on Disney XD I think if you're looking for a specific example you're going to be looking at Detours it, Detours is going to be on Disney it's either going to be on Disney XD or ABC uh, yeah. and more likely disney xd so like that that that's sort of a foregone conclusion because that show's not out yet i think that there's a lot of stuff going on with clone wars that makes that a little bit more of a sticky situation it's got a really good home at cartoon network uh it's been a really great relationship with with uh warner and and uh and turner and and cartoon network uh between lucasfilm and and them uh, between putting it out as a film in order to launch it and just the, the amount of support that they give it because networks treat different shows differently, right? Uh, I don't think that other shows get treated the same way that Star Wars gets treated on Cartoon Network. I know that there are other shows that are definitely flagship shows for them like Johnny Test and and uh, the Ben 10 stuff and, and all sorts of other cartoons that they, they have, but cartoon uh, uh sorry uh clone wars is one of those shows that they hang their hat on right now uh they don't really have a lot else uh they they, they had their dc nation block and now they've kind of 
put that aside for now uh, for, for all sorts of other reasons and who knows what's going on there. But uh, right now, Clone Wars is really one of, one of their main shows. And, uh, and I'm sure that they're wondering just as much as we are, you know, are we going to be able to hold on to it? And, uh, you know, as far as the show being able to make money and still be uh, as, as uh, seen as by as wide an audience as it has been for the last few years, uh, it's not necessarily a smart move to move it from one network to another. The fact that they moved it from Friday nights to Saturday nights was was probably something that that they did with a lot of trepidation and and put a lot of thought into so the idea that they would just because you know one company has bought another company that they would just completely destroy a relationship that they've built up over the last six years i will we'll have to wait and see right like like i think that that basing it on that that one set of comments that's come out and then other people speculating based off of those comments uh it's it's i don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Cl- that clone wars is leaving cartoon network yet so i like i said this is one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on eric i wanted to get your opinion on that and and hear kind of what you had to to say about about that specific subject about the clone wars on cartoon network yeah you know obviously it was a big question we all had the second this was announced you know because don't forget it Cartoon Network is a Warner Brothers company, corporate sibling to DC Comics. These are major competitors of Disney who own Marvel Comics, and there's just a million things that make them competitors. So it's a strange scenario. Um, Hollywood Reporter were the ones that kind of put out the information that I was curious about and trying to find out, which is that they are only contractually uh, have Clone Wars through this season. And I guess that's how it's always been done, that they they sign one year contracts so they don't they don't make a deal to keep clone wars for the next few seasons it's just one season so usually at the end of a given season they would just renegotiate have a new contract to come back this is the first year where that's all in doubt because now they're going to have new owners um i think one of the biggest questions in the middle of all this is how much longer clone wars is going to go Hmm. and it's a question you know i've interviewed dave filoni many times and i talked to a lot of people associated with the show they've never had one specific answer saying okay it's absolutely going to be this many years and we're sure and it's done uh i remember one of the last times i talked to filoni about it was two summers ago at san diego comic con and at the time he was saying how oh six is six is a good number i could see doing six uh but he was also not saying it's absolutely going to be six so if clone wars is going is and might there's all speculation but if it did end at six seasons that's a big argument to keep it on Cartoon Network. If it's just one more year, there is something to be said for, you know, disrupting the schedule with just one year left on a show. Um, but at the same time, this is a place where I could see Disney saying, you know, corporately, we don't want this show to continue on our competitor. Uh, and the fact that, you know, they might want to then just air all the old episodes too uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, and make some sort of deal to do that. So it wouldn't, even though they'd only be getting one new year, they'd have six years of the show. But again, all speculation, because for all we know, they might decide, hey, we're going to do Clone Wars for four more years. Um, I right now, I am feeling the Clone Wars is very likely going to leave Cartoon Network at the end of the season uh, just because I could see yeah. Disney that being a place where they were not would not be comfortable with the yeah. situation. Has a longtime fan of Clone Wars. I would like to see it finish out for on Cartoon Network for that sort of continuity. And I do think I agree with you. They've really done right by the show. But this 
be sort of more of a corporate call in this case. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it, that you, you kind of hit the nail on the head that the big question is how much longer is Clone Wars going on for? And at Celebration, uh, I feel like that was one of the questions that was being asked a lot mm-hmm. is, you know, how, how much how much more content do they have prepared? Because uh, they're always working about a year or a year and a half ahead of us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I personally feel like just, you know, following the voice actors the way that we do and following production the way that we do, uh, I feel like things have slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whether that's indicating that, that this transition period was about to happen or whether that's indicating that Clone Wars is, in fact, kind of slowing down its production. Uh, and, and as far as the, the writing and the voice work is going, that, that maybe they're not producing as much new stuff right now as they have been in past years. Because if you follow James Arnold Taylor on Twitter or Facebook, uh, you, can, you, you can get a really clear idea of what shows he's working on and how often he's working on them. And I don't, I haven't, I haven't really checked, but I don't recall seeing a Facebook update from him that he's getting ready to record a new episode of The Clone Wars in about two or three months. Like, I think it was before, uh, maybe even before uh, uh, Star Wars Weekends, which was back in May. They, they, we really saw a lot of him talking about working on the clone wars so that sort of thing makes me think they they uh, and along with uh with a lot of those interviews that dave has done mentioning that six sounds like a really good number uh and uh and knowing that that you know you, you kind of want to you want to go out on top oh yeah they just run it into the ground right and, and uh, clone wars is definitely one of those properties where i think that they have the they, they have the capacity to do that because uh, at some point you've told all the stories that you can tell, especially because with the last two years, they've they've steered the focus away from all of these other tertiary characters. And it's really just Obi-Wan, Anakin and Ahsoka that we're getting stories about. <clears throat> One of the three of them is is ever present. Uh, I I. I can't really even think off the top of my head back to an episode uh, that that we didn't have one of the three of them involved in some way. Uh, so uh, maybe I guess the one with Asajj Ventress uh, uh, bounty would be the last time that we had that. But that was part of a four-part arc that Anakin and Ahsoka were in the very beginning of that arc, and then Obi-Wan was a very important part of the second half of that arc. So... Uh, maybe we get one episode, but overall stories tend to revolve around this core cast. And uh, sooner or later, they're going to run into episode three. Uh, we're we're kind of we're getting there. You can feel it. You can sense it. But the episode we're going to talk about tonight might be one of the ways that they get around that. Uh, one of the ways that they can sort of start to tell some other stories. Um, and after after we do the recap, I want to talk a little bit about about these characters, about these young Jedi, and uh, and we'll talk about their possible futures, because um, that that's something that Kyle and I talked about a little bit last week. But now having seen the episode, I think that we'll all have a lot of opinions on exactly how that could work. So uh, with that, if, does anybody have anything else to say about Disney slash Lucasfilm? Uh, no, I just, you know what's great is that already I'm seeing posters of what 
could happen for episode seven and it's just really it's this is the fun time this is the time to, to do things like that i saw one on DeviantArt where it was it has a picture of darth crate and it has people like carl urban starring as darth crate and ian mckellen and mark hamill and you know it's just fun stuff like that you know it's not it's not true or anything but it's just fun to watch that stuff and i do my i do think mike that six might be the last season of the clone wars but since we're talking about clone wars are you ready to hit the recap mike before we do, I just need to put out one thing into the atmosphere, into the world, so that hopefully it happens. Taylor Kitsch needs to be the Han Solo type character. <laughs> but he just needs to be, okay? I, I, I just watched Battleship, which for all intents and purposes, not a good movie, but I really enjoyed it because I like Taylor Kitsch. He was awesome in it, just like he was awesome in John Carter, just like he's awesome on Friday Night Lights and everything else that I've seen him in so far. He's been wicked. So John Carter didn't go so well for him. Battleship definitely didn't go so well for him. I, But if you put him in a Star Wars movie, I think that he could shine, especially as, you know, the successor to Harrison Ford. So that's out there in the universe. I also think Andrew Stanton should direct these next three movies, but I... Uh, I'm obviously a little bit biased towards the John Carter movie. As <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for Brad Bird. Brad Bird, yeah, I heard a lot of that too. Yeah, he's shown that he could do a live action with Mission Impossible. That was pretty well received. So, oh yeah, yeah. Let the speculation begin. All right, guys, let's head on over to this Clone Wars recap. Something is stirring in the underworld. Remember, there can only be two. You are our secret weapons. There are some citizens of the Republic who believe the Jedi Order is not what it used to be. We can help you reclaim Mandalore. Oh my, look at the time. Well, my work is done. You are a clone and a soldier in the Republic Army. I sense a deep anger in you. Everything that you fought so hard for will be destroyed. Anakin! Sometimes heroes fall, despite their strength. Onderon is out. guys and let's start off uh the gathering uh on coruscant six younglings of different ages a human boy a male wookie a female rodian a male natolan a lothololi wait how do you say that a tholo and girl i'm glad you have to tackle that <laughs> and a male ethlorian running excitedly towards an impressive jedi cruiser the crucible they join Ahsoka Tano and R2-D2 who stand at the foot of the ship's entry ramp. These top students are about to undergo the gathering, a great challenge and honor to be faced by prospective Jedi. And I'll just have to say, guys, um, I liked in the beginning of this, the, the little voiceover, they explained that, you know what, you know, why are we going to watch a, a series about younglings? Well, because the Jedi through this war, and we don't see a lot of this, is they're, they're losing a lot of Jedi. And uh, they explain that because of the Clone War, the Jedi are in this decline, and new younglings are hard to find now. 
And I'm, I'm I imagine that they're kind of speeding up the process a little bit here, but uh, they kind of give you a little a, a little reasoning why we're watching a movie about uh, about these younglings. And at first, I was like, my guys was like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna, you know, really, you know, is it gonna have all the Jedi action that I like to see? Is this gonna be another kind of kiddie thing? But after the end of this, I was I was quite pleased. But uh, what was your initial thoughts, Mike? I we have to know two things. Mm-hmm. Very new things, other than the fact that we've got a bunch of new characters in this. Uh, for the first time, we've had an actual flashback. Uh, and it was just in in the sort of the montage at the beginning. It was a flashback to, uh, to uh, and uh, and so we got little baby Ahsoka, which was just the most adorable, uh, sweet model like 3d model that i think they've ever made for the show uh she's just like (laughs) it's funny because disney buys lucasfilm and then this is the episode that they put on which i kind of mentioned i i when i think when we talked about it last week but i yeah like we're, we're right into sort of a very disney friendly story with this the other new thing that i think a lot of people probably missed because i haven't heard anybody talk about it on facebook or anything is that that jedi cruiser is a new ship so i i always have to point that out because i love it when we get new ships when they when they go to the effort to build out something new so that that little jedi cruiser that they go on uh, as far as i can recall is is a new ship so i just wanted to point those two things out uh, so i went on immediately after watching it uh, and I watched it Friday night because in Canada we get them on Friday nights on Teletoon. So uh, we get them a little bit earlier than you guys. Uh, and so I had watched it uh, before going to bed and and was compelled to jump on the Facebook group and leave a message and say something may have finally knocked Trespass out of the top spot. And uh, if, if the next three episodes that join with this one are as good as this uh it, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for trespass to remain my favorite so uh, that kind of tells you how i feel about the episode overall I, I really really enjoyed it you know mike i was gonna ask you too i had that question down uh, as part of my notes is was that ahsoka and, and you thought it was and i thought it was too but I, I just didn't know like okay that was a flashback so that's cool to to kind of get a confirmation on that eric uh, yeah i can actually confirm it is uh okay. because the press release they sent out for the episode actually had a note about that okay cool yeah what do you think erica as far as this beginning uh, do you think this particular um gathering is this sort of like uh, some some sort of mini trial for these younglings or or is it just um something that each has to go through i mean do you, can you consider it a mini trial i think so yeah you know i mean it, it, there was there was one little thing they said at the top of the episode that it was a little odd for me i guess maybe it's one of those things where you think about jedi and how they would you know think they try to be very sort of fair and even-minded but they did specifically say that these were kind of top of the class students right uh, as it were and on one hand i was a little like oh would they really do that would they like single out these you know the these kids and say oh you are top of the class compared to other kids but you kind of give them a lot of benefit of the doubt with the fact that that opening did make mention of the fact like you said uh that you know they are running out of jedi and that they do need to kind of escalate things perhaps a little bit here mm-hmm. and maybe find the best of the best and bring them to what definitely seems to be a uh, a rite of passage 
and it kind of you know brings you back to empire strikes back a little bit because you've got yoda sitting outside a sort of cavern mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like you you know he doesn't say the line about uh bringing in what you take in with you but that's definitely what we get from the episode oh is, yeah you know, that that's that they have these little these little trials to overcome they all have to overcome and get past something inside them so there's definitely a nice little echo of empire strikes back and and uh the cave in that film in this episode Oh, definitely. We'll get. And we'll definitely get to that um, in a little bit. Uh, uh, Mike, go ahead. Uh, the Crucible soars toward the je- sacred Jedi planet of Ilum. Ancient vessel lands in the frigid wilderness, and the six younglings emerge, bundled in cold weather gear. Ahsoka and R two D two lead the children to the apparent dead end of a frozen cliff face. Ahsoka instructs the students to concentrate together in the fort. With their hands outstretched, the younglings cause sheets of ice to fall from the cliff face, exposing a temple entrance ahead. Ahsoka notes that the sun is starting to rise on Ilum. They must hurry. Uh, go ahead, uh, Eric. We'll, we'll go one more. Okay. Uh, inside the temple sits Jedi Master Yoda, who welcomes the younglings. Yoda explains that the gathering is the ancient Jedi ritual that sees the harvesting of living crystals from the Ilum caverns to become the heart of a new lightsaber. Using the Force, Yoda opens a large metal door overhead that lets a shaft of sunlight into the chamber. The beam points towards a large, iced-over doorway and begins to melt the obstruction. So, Mike, um, we're on Elam, and I really don't know too much about it other than it's this mountainous ice planet, uh, home of these Elam crystals, uh, which is the heart of the lightsaber. Do you um, have any other uh, knowledge of this world, or is this kind of new for you, too? We've seen this world once before in, in uh, well, I guess it's not really canon. Like, uh, at the time, I think that we considered it canon when it came out, but we saw it in the micro series. And uh, there, there were the, the two episodes that took place on Ilon with, uh, with Yoda and Padme in the infamous Snow Bunny outfit. And uh, which, which just, let's just put this out there. Referring to it as a snow bunny outfit when Ahsoka is wearing cold weather gear, I don't think is appropriate. Remember, is like a. <laughs> I need to keep reminding you guys of that because people post things on Facebook and Tumblr that I think are incredibly inappropriate. And if she was a real person, you could go to jail for. So, in any case, I. We had seen it there, and uh, we had Barris Ophi and, um, and Luminar Undali inside the caves uh, uh, constructing lightsabers. Uh, whether, I mean, Barris Ophi was a lot older, so uh, the idea that she was building her first lightsaber is a, is a little bit odd to me because I would think that they would be more at this sort of, this sort of, uh, I, you know, young young teenage age because we saw ahsoka she was 14 when she uh joined with anakin and obi-wan on their escapades and she already had a lightsaber so i uh, so i always figured that they they were at kind of that like tween age when they first built their their first functioning like fully functional lightsaber so um so yeah we've seen a little bit and i think that it's been touched on in comics and probably in novels but uh you know me. I'm not. I'm not an EU expert, so I, uh, you know, I, I tend to just stick with the uh, the the easy stuff like the movies and, and Clone Wars and stuff like that. So I haven't really heard anything else about it. Um, I know that there are a lot of people who 
for some reason were upset that the things that happened in the Clone Wars micro series are apparently wiped out by this story. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think that the two actually like cross paths much more than the fact that they're on the same planet. Um, and and uh, other than that, the, the things that are unique about Ilum are the same in both stories. And that's that the Jedi have an enclave there essentially it's it's a it's a sacred temple to them where they go and they build lightsabers this is where they harvest the crystals from so uh and the crystals i don't know if i don't think that they ever used the 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 term uh adigan which uh, in the old 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 stuff like the uh the the official uh, guide to weapons uh to weapons and and uh technology i think um they referred to the crystals as Adigan crystals. That's that's what they are. Um, so you know, they never used those terms in in either the micro series or this. So I don't know if that's something that we threw out a long time ago, but that's something that I can remember from being a kid and having read. So so uh, I don't know. It's continuity. It, it all kind of gets rewritten. And you know what? Episode seven, eight, and nine. Somebody will build a lightsaber in one of those, and they'll go to another planet, and that'll be the planet that you go to <laughs> when you build a lightsaber. And it'll just make all of this a moot point, anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought I also read too that this particular planet only you're only going to find. I think it was just blue and green crystals. But in this in this particular episode, I don't remember seeing any green from the kids. So. Um, I, I think I read that somewhere. But anyway, I'll continue. Ahsoka tells the younglings that once they find their crystals, they must leave the tunnels. Should the sun set, the door will freeze over and seal the entrance for an entire rotation, the equivalent of 19 days. The children had best find the crystals uniquely suited to them before becoming trapped inside. Uh, within the caves, Petro, the impulsive Corellian boy is determined to be the first to find a crystal. I just want to say, uh, impulsive Corellian, that's a little bit redundant, but that's <laughs> yes. Comes into the darkness, leaving the other younglings behind. Remaining younglings decide to split up, relying on their instincts and attunement to the Force to tell them which way to go. The timid Ithorian child, Biff, is terrified at going alone, but his friends encourage him to continue. How do they expect us to find our crystals when the whole place is made up of ice? Uh, I don't see the big deal, though. I could easily last at night in here. From my calculations, taking into the account the planetary movements in this system, um, the sun only rises on Ilum every 19 days. That's a very long night. Well, I don't know about you lot, but enough with the chatter. I'm going to be the first to get my crystal and get out of here. Petro, wait. Maybe we should stay together? No, thank you. You're on your own. Come on. We need to keep moving. You're right. He is selfish. And here's what I like about this particular clip, Mike. I mean, um, you get to see, obviously, the characteristics of each of these younglings. And, you know, if it's kind of like it's cool. They did it for, like, a, an older audience. And then at the very end, when we get to it, 
they kind of explain it all out for you for the younger people that are watching. Uh, you know, we get Petro. He's the Karelian. You know, he sounds overconfident already. You got Zap. He's, he relies too much on his devices. Um, Katuni. Uh, she's somewhat scared or she's just she's just not confident enough is, is kind of what's going on with her. So uh, she just kind of has to learn how to believe in herself. So already they're laying this 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 out on, on how each of these younglings has a particular trait that they have to overcome inside this cave and, and you're right eric it is it, it is just like the cave scene um you know with with luke and i have a question for you guys at the very end that, that i'm going to ask you um about tying this all together but what do you think mike uh, we get to see the all the characteristics right away yeah i i think they did a really good job of establishing right up front with this scene what what the different kids uh personality aspects were which, which uh, aside from the fact that they're all different species, makes it really re easy to, to start to connect with, with uh, the different characters. I know it's definitely leaning towards Gunji for everybody because he's a Wookiee and uh, everybody's just really excited about a Wookiee kid with a lightsaber. Yeah. Point. Um, but, I, but there were different aspects of each of these characters for, for you to connect with just in these couple of scenes that establish them. And I think that they, for me, of everything in this, I, uh, there's the stuff about the cave, like, like about it being that, that sort of Jedi trial aspect. Um, but then on top of that, it just, it seems like they really knew who they wanted each of these, these kids to be. And you can see where it's going. They, I, not only are they all, individuals and and they're learning to sort of overcome their shortcomings in this episode but you also see that as a group the, they they actually all mesh really well together with the exception of uh, of petro who kind of goes off on his own right but you you start to see that like well these guys would be a really good unit they'd be a really good team because uh, they all kind of have these different aspects that when you put it together I will will mesh well and sort of gel into into a, a team and they'll be able to accomplish something right and I think that they, that you can see really early on from this that that's where this arc is gonna go that they're gonna they're gonna either uh, end up in trouble or be put into another trial where they need to learn to work together uh, which you know it's it's a very old uh, uh, kids cartoon sort of trope to have the, the group of different kids who are all good at different things and they all come together to be a team. But when you think about it, the the uh, the whole bounty hunter arc with Obi-Wan going uh, in disguise last season, it really was the same thing. They were just with adults who were evil instead of kids who are good, right? Like, like there's two sort of ways to present the story. So, so they're just doing it from this angle, and uh, and I think it's great because I think that it's good for the younger viewers. Uh, I think that it's something really cool for them to connect with, so that they can kind of take a little bit of ownership back of the Clone Wars and of Star Wars in general. Because a lot of people were saying negative things about this about this episode. It was very polarizing, going one way or the other. But at the end of the day, you need to remember that Star Wars, they're, they're kids' movies. <laughs> whether we like them and whether we get extra stuff out of them because it's there and because it's sort of been sewn with that stuff, 
it's no different than if you go to say wreck it ralph or any other disney movie they're made for kids but there's more in there for us so so right off the bat that stuff's all present in this episode Eric, uh, you have any comments uh, before you take the next uh, paragraph? Just that, you know, it was, it, it, you know, you kind of mentioned the Bounty Hunter storyline, and there's other examples, too, where they've done episodes that have, yeah, thrown us in with a bunch of different characters uh, with only 22 minutes. Um, and while there'll be more episodes in this arc, they still wanted to give all the kids their own little mini arc in this episode. So 22 minutes and these many, this many new characters, you weren't going to get a lot of deep characterization. Uh, but... It all worked, I thought, as far as giving you, like you said, kind of a basic archetype character, but they were well done archetype characters. Uh, and it was legitimately a very sweet episode, I thought. And yeah, you know, uh, there is that sect of Star Wars fandom that is like dark, 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 badass, dark, badass. And that's all they want from Star Wars, acting as though that's all Star Wars ever was or that that's, that's what they felt Star Wars was when it never was the case and certainly a aspect of star wars and there's been very cool moments of star wars throughout but yeah it is meant as a, a family entertainment and uh, that's not something you should run away from if it's done well it's done well so i did think that this episode you know was a change of pace from a lot of the stories recently that's i think that especially on clone wars the thing is that clone wars has gotten darker more mature as it's gone along this is a story about children it's innately going to be uh, a lighter one in some some aspects, but that doesn't make it a bad thing in and of itself. And I thought that they pulled off uh, a very charming story here. No, good good points, good points. Um, go ahead, go ahead. You can take the next paragraph. Okay. Uh, oh, now I'm gonna have to say some of these tough words. So let's <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, inside a chamber filled with dramatic icicles, Petro finds a gleaming crystal. He plucks it from its icy perch and pockets it with a sense of pride. Inside a cliff-lined cavern, Katuni, the Thalothian girl, sees the glint of a crystal. The, oh, here's the one I'm really gonna uh, give me trouble. The uh, Natolan boy, I hope I said that at remotely right, Zach, yeah. can't see it, but such is the way it of, of an Ulam crystal. It calls only to the Jedi that will bond with it. Katuni begins climbing towards the glimmering shard while Zach continues to search for his. Katuni is uncertain she can make such a climb, but she keeps her reassuring herself to continue. Some good, and here's some great stuff in here too, guys. I mean, you know, we we talked about Biff. He's on his own. He actually has to to kind of he's he's afraid of things, and he's got to learn how to face his fear. And we all know the saying, you know, fear leads to hate, and so on and so on. Uh, you got Petro. He finds a crystal right away, but did he find it the way that Yoda intended him to find it? You know, he just goes and plucks one. Hey, here's one. Uh, and then you got Katuni. She shows her lack of confidence again uh, as she has to climb this. You know, I can't do it and this and that. So uh, they're they're kind of uh, reiterating the problems that these that these young guys are having. And through these tests, they have to kind of face them and all that. Uh, in another cave filled with a frozen lake, the young Wookiee Gunji senses his crystal, but the thin, but the ice is too thin to tread upon. He must be patient and wait until the sun moves past this chamber and the lake fully freezes. And again, you know, they're, they weren't exactly coming out at this point and telling you, you kind of had to read into it and go, okay, he's got to learn how to be patient. But I just love, Mike, these, the, um, the animation of this, the, the ice that was, you know, covering his fur. I mean, I was just like, wow, that is, that is fantastic. A lot of people were commenting on the look of this episode like we've done so many times in the past. But 
uh, so far. What do you think about uh, what else is going on here? Yeah, just just on that visual note, this uh, this whole episode within the cave because it, it it has all of these different sort of magical qualities to it, right? That that the kids are encountering these different atmospheres that that are playing on their on their weaknesses on something that they need to overcome and i i think because those those aspects are so strong conceptually the the artists really got to play around a lot with the atmosphere and with the visual aspects of telling that part of the story that's one of the reasons why it resonates so well because Every single one of the environments, the, the, the separate environments that the kids find themselves in, uh, they all have this very Macquarie-esque matte painting feeling to them, uh, particularly Gunji and that, that frozen lake and a couple of those shots that are just framed so beautifully. Uh, it's it's almost um, the, the Indiana Jones and the, and in, when he's in the, the map and the sun's coming through just kind of got to wait for it to hit the right spot yeah it there's there's one shot in particular of of gundy sort of standing on one end and then uh his crystal being on the other end of this this uh, uh fractured frozen lake and this sunbeam just just pouring into the room that just reminds me so much of that um and actually the, the other indiana jones thing that, that i'm reminded of is uh, a lot of temple of doom uh, is sort of in in that the the stuff with Biff. Uh, I feel like like he was sort of, you know, in that that sort of visual area with uh, with the the smoke and the the sort of evil skull looking thing and all of that sort of stuff. So I, I think that, that visually this is probably one of the strongest episodes of the series, just because they were able to boil these things down into into emotions and into feelings they they told us what the story was so although you're right at the end of the episode they yoda comes out he tells us everything that these that these kids each went through so that the younger kids watching could be sort of following along in the adventure right but as adults watching it we were able to sit there and and watch these kids go through these different trials and just automatically understand exactly what they were going through and and what it was that they needed to overcome so i thought i thought it was a really strong episode because of those aspects definitely uh eric what do you think uh as as you know like like we we're talking about you know it's it's kind of you kind of have to read into it a little bit as you're watching it but at the end like mike said it's laid out there that's, that's pretty cool that they were able to do that for us older older folks watching it and for the kids you know at the end well yeah i mean I, i'll just reiterate what a gorgeous episode yeah. i mean uh that you know i i agree about it the matte painting thing is it looks like those gorgeous i i had uh, as a kid i still have uh the kind of portfolios they sold of uh the macquarie uh matte paintings of well not the matte paintings the production paintings for empire and jedi and a lot of those shots those kind of silent still shots in this episode it completely evokes that in all those perfect ways and uh and yeah you know yes certainly we don't need Yoda to say what he says at the end of the episode, uh, but it certainly went with the fact that this was a, a children's story, a children's sort of fable, if you will. And, you know, uh, repeating myself, but that's not a bad thing. You no, know, no. I wouldn't want to see it every week on The Clone Wars, but I really didn't mind it at all here. And, yeah, it really, uh, what a 
great looking episode. That's actually the biggest thing I'd say. You know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't quite say this is one of my very favorite episodes of the show. But as far as visually and, you know, if I wanted to sit someone down who's never seen the show and say, take a look at the visuals, this would be one I'd think of immediately. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I, I said that in the beginning as well. It's like, you know, hey, it doesn't have all the flash and bang and the lightsabers that I normally love. But, you know, for a couple, three episodes, I think this will be kind of fun to go through. Uh, Mike, it's your turn. Uh, yes. Kenobi, the Rodian girl, gets frustrated at not being able to sense the call of her crystal. She begins to lose hope and fears she's walking in circles. Suddenly, the cavern floor gives way and she tumbles into a chamber filled with thousands of crystals of varying sizes. She sobs in, des in despair as she does not know which crystal to choose. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Biff creeps into a dark ice tunnel filled with terrifying shadows. His fears are getting the best of him. The ice formations resemble a horrible monster, and the rush of the wind sounds like the rumble of a deadly beast. He trembles in terror. Petro runs back to the temple entrance, ready to proudly show off his skill to Master Yoda. Yoda asks how the others progress, but Petro doesn't care about them. He reaches into his pocket to display a crystal, his crystal, but instead he finds a puddle of water as it melts. It was just ice. He must start all over again. Looks like I'm the first back with my crystal. <laughs> that wasn't so hard. And the others? Who knows? I didn't want to gloat since I found mine so quickly. Show us. A crystal you have found water you have brought <laughs> but that's impossible it was my crystal i was sure of it <clears throat> so certain were you go back and closer you must look but the door is already half closed then you better hurry oh man that was so funny to hear yoda go <laughs> you know kind of like laugh at him you know like uh, you better go back in there. You know, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. I thought that was it was kind of funny to, to hear Yoda do that. And and here is, uh, you know, Petro. He brings back, of course, ice water. And again, shows his overconfidence. You know, he thought he was going to go in there and do his thing and come out. And he wants to show Yoda how good he is. But uh, there's that overconfidence. And, you know, we've heard that in the movies before. So it's kind of neat to see some of these uh, traits that Yoda talked about in the in the uh, original trilogy, and he's showing how they apply to this to this younger trilogy. So, and, and his lack of teamwork as well. You know, he's they talk about teamwork in here, and Mike, I think you mentioned that earlier too. Uh, he has no teamwork at this point. So, kind of funny though. What do you think of Yoda there, Mike? Yeah, it was uh, it was very reminiscent of of uh, Empire as well as uh, the 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 first episode of Clone Wars ambush, which uh, which kicked off the series and uh and and i think that a lot of people really enjoyed that story uh because of that aspect of it because it was that yoda from from empire that was that was really missing in the prequel uh in the prequel trilogy i think they tried to to sort of sneak it in there in in the scene with him and the younglings in episode two but there it just something didn't quite resonate in the same way but this episode uh, in those moments where Yoda sort of takes it takes a second to teach, uh, he does have that that 
Empire Strikes Back feeling. So I love it. I, I love it when he's kind of got that little bit of an impish quality to him. So, Eric, did you, Eric, did you get that uh, Empire vibe throughout this episode as well? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think it is. I, I love when they are able to touch upon that because, you know, once the reveal of Yoda happens in Empire, mm-hmm. of you know, his true nature, I think the instinct after that was to mostly portray him, whether it be going forward into Jedi or prequels, uh, more on that sort of wise Zen level. But you have to remember it's the same guy who would, you know, create this entire kind of persona to hide under must have a pretty funny sense of humor to do that. Uh, So anytime they can touch upon that, I think is is great. Um, I will say with Yoda, uh, one little thing I wish they'd done more of in this episode, I mentioned this in my review, is, uh, and again, I know it's just kind of a running time issue because they had so many kids to deal with, but I kind of wish we'd had a little bit of time with Ahsoka and Yoda outside that cave. Mm, yeah. we, we cut to them kind of observing and standing there, uh, but I'm just it would just be kind of interesting to see that interaction because it's not an interaction we see a lot of those two characters. And, I, of course, a lot of this having to do with us knowing where her master, where Anakin is going, but I kind of was curious if, you know, Anakin and I mean, I'm sorry, if Yoda and Ahsoka might have a, a quick little heart to heart and maybe talk a little bit about Anakin didn't happen in this episode. But it'd be something I'd love to see at some point. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I never thought of that, but that would have been kind of neat to, to have them have a little maybe conversation or heart to heart or or maybe concentrate on the force and see what the kids are doing or, or, or mention that. But, yeah, good point. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Uh, Zat, the tech-minded Nautilin, tries to use his portable scanner to detect his crystal. The scanner can't detect anything, even though he's in a chamber filled with crystals. Disgusted, Zat loses his temper and smashes the scanner against the ice wall. He slumps to the ground, frustrated and defeated. This is a really interesting uh, moment for this character, because we see a little bit of of a lack of control here, and he he kind of loses it. Like he's so frustrated to the point yeah, that yeah. his, uh, his little, his tricorder for lack of a better term. Uh, he just, he just like destroys the thing against, against the wall. And, uh, I thought, I thought that was really interesting because I, all, all these characters, it, one of them has to have a leaning towards the dark side. I think, I, I think, I think that they had to kind of pick somebody and say, you know who are we gonna give the that that aspect of the of anger you know because because that's something that that they'll have to show in order to show how the jedi deal with that in their teachings right so so they give it to zat and uh it's really interesting that that his reliance on technology is sort of what gives way to showing what um what his probably what his biggest shortcoming is which is that he has a little bit of a temper so i thought that was really cool yeah me too yeah i that's i kind of wrote down in my notes you know the 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 frustration he has with his uh relying on his on his tools you know and he's got to learn to let go of that and and uh there's another great scene with uh gunji too as well uh actually we'll go right here uh, go ahead eric i think you're up okay Uh, Gunji is able to overcome his impatience and restlessness and sits quietly, meditating on the force as the light within the lake lake chamber wanes and the icy surface solidifies. Gunji then dashes across the ice and retrieves his crystal. That was a part of two I loved. You know, again, they show the ice all over his fur, Eric, and and he kind of sits down and he goes, you know what, I have to 
you know, in his mind, he's got to sit down and kneel and just meditate. And uh, we don't see that a lot in, in Star I mean, we saw Qui-Gon do it one time, but it was kind of neat to see this youngling do it and, uh, you know, have to kind of will himself into, into being patient. You know what I mean? Uh, let's see where are we at. Katuni uh, preserves, uh, perseveres, and climbs to the top of the cavern, plucking the shimmering crystal from the end of its icicle. She realizes that climbing down will take too long, so she sets off in another tunnel, hoping to find a quicker way out. But she sh uh, soon gets lost. Uh, Biff shores up his courage and retrieves the crystal from the maw of a horrible creature, only to realize it is merely ice shapes made terrifying by his imagination. Leaved, he shuffles off to return to the entrance. Uh, go ahead, Eric. We'll keep going here. Okay. A distraught Gnodi also recalls her training. She feels her connection to the Force, and from a constellation of gleaming crystals lining the wall, she calls her stone to her hand. Zat trusts himself rather than relying on technology. He concentrates and consents the presence of his crystal. The crack in the wall he, he made with his scanner points towards his crystal. Zat overloads the power on his battery, battered scanner, and it, its explosion cracks the wall, freeing his crystal. Uh, Gunji, Biff, Ganodi, and Zat arrive at the temple entrance, where a and Yoda but there's no sign of Petro and Katuni. Sun is setting rapidly. The cavern entrance is freezing over. Inside the caves, Petro discovers Katuni behind an ice wall. She's gotten lost and cannot get out. She asks Petro to help her break the ice, but Petro is too focused on finding his crystal. He abandons Katuni to continue his quest. So uh, again, I, I, here's another one that he kind of leans a little bit in the direction of the dark side. His selfishness at this point uh, I leads to him abandoning one of his friends I uh, and, and I thought that it was a really I uh, if you want to talk about a dark place to take a story like this I think that that's that's about as 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 dark as it can go he he is literally leaving her there to potentially die like that that thought would have crossed his mind but he's more focused on getting his own crystal and I uh, uh, the the idea that he just kind of leave her there trapped in ice, uh, I thought you know w within the context of the rest of the episode was this really dramatic moment and very very uh, sort of very dark in, in in the tone of the overall episode. You know, Marcus, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't even pick up on that, but that is a, a great point that maybe they were showing a little bit of these kids is. Um, propensity to to fall quickly to the dark side and and wow I didn't even I didn't even notice that watching it but that's a, a great point uh, Eric did you pick up on anything like that Well yeah I mean certainly with with Petro he was so sort of the self interest thing was such a guiding part of him uh, that you did wonder you know are they saying this kid yeah might might be a little leaning towards the dark side because he was so about him himself and what he wanted, which is obviously sort of a dark side trait. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it's funny with uh, with Biff and that sort of dark, you know, maw, the mouth looking thing he was going in, the way they uh, they kind of lit it and made it look so red, I kept wondering, is he gonna end up with a red crystal? 
I was going to be some strange little term, but that was not to be. It was like you said, it was kind of I liked how you said kind of a a temple of doom type scenario there for him. Yeah, I definitely did look like that. Uh, So uh, go ahead, Eric. It's your turn. Uh, Petro changes his mind, however. He cannot leave Katuni behind. The two hold their hands up to the ice and with a pulse of force energy, break the wall. Katuni runs to the entrance, urging Petro to follow. But Petro thinks he sees something gleaming in the darkness and ventures deeper into the caverns. I, real quick, and I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, he they both use the, the force together and they show a little uh, power together and what they can do. Of course, they're only just breaking ice, but uh, it's still kind of neat to see that. Uh, we'll finish it up here, actually. Uh, Katuni emerges from the cavern as the ice wall solidifies. The younglings fret that Petro will freeze to death inside, but he comes leaping through the wall, shattering it, sending shards of ice scattering. He proudly produces his ilum crystal. Yoda grins. The door to the cavern was never the barrier. The true obstacles in this challenge were the doubts the younglings faced in their minds. Biff discovered courage. Ganoni found hope. Gunji found patience. Zat found trust. Katuni found confidence. And Petro found selflessness. The younglings succeeded. They can now return to the crucible to begin their lightsabers, to begin building their lightsabers. How did he break the ice? Only water made solid was the door. Easy to break, if you have the will. <laughs> you you said we would be trapped. Not by the cave, you were, but by your mind. Lessons you have learned. Find courage, you did. Hope. Patience. Trust. Confidence and selflessness. Yes. And Micah, here's what I love about this is that, um, you know, here's here's a question I wanted to ask you guys uh, from the beginning when I mentioned it. Um, you know, these guys all learn these these their traits that they were kind of lacking in, and uh, you know, Yoda talked about how it was all in their head. And uh, do you think, guys, or Eric, I'll start with you. Do you think that these trials that they went through inside were done by Yoda? I mean, did he make the cave light up for Biff to be to be to be, to be scared? Did he make, um, you know, uh, what is Zat's tr- transcorder thing or whatever? Did he make that mess up so he would have to? Use, you know what I'm saying? Did he make these things happen inside there like the cave on on Empire or was it something else? I don't think so. I mean, no. but I, I, on the same token, I never sort of saw him as so specifically orchestrating what happened in Empire. Like, you know, clearly in Empire, he knows that Luke is Vader's son at that point, something Luke doesn't know. But I don't think he, you know, orchestrated a Darth Vader will attack him in the cave, you know, and he'll cut off his head and he'll see himself. I do think that is the more sort of mystical side of the force at work. Um, and certainly Yoda is tapped into that more than maybe any Jedi. So uh, I, I think it is the whole, you know, you bring in with you, you know, you, certain things within your inside yourself. Uh, so Yoda, you know, he might have an idea what's going to happen in there because he can probably read people pretty well and kind of know their traits. Right. But I don't think that he's so, you know, it's not like a, uh, a Saw movie kind of uh, setup where he's 
set up a scenario for each character. What do you think, Mike? You think uh, this was more of the, the kids' kids' mind shaping what happened inside, or did Yoda have anything to do with that? What do you think, Mike? Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think it's very much uh, their connection with the Force that that determines why what their trial is going to be. Just like uh, just like it, it was Luke's own fear they showed him uh, what he saw on uh, in the cave on Dagobah. I, that, that's always, to me, um, one of the reasons why it's such a powerful scene is because it is, there's so much going on in it, uh, and, and there's so much to interpret. So uh, you, can, you can have a conversation with 100 different Star Wars fans and get 100 different answers for what they think exactly was going on inside the cave. So for me, uh, it, it's always been a, a lot of like what Eric was saying about, you know, he sort of it's it's what you take with you. Um, and it's it's the force itself communicating to you. The, the, these trials, uh, I, I think that's uh, if you try and sort of line it up with the trials that, that they've later established in continuity, uh, the, the trial in the cave on Dagobah is, a, is the trial of spirit. Uh, and uh, and and later on when he gets his hand cut off that's the trial of flesh uh, and same for Anakin he gets his trial of flesh when he gets his arm chopped off uh, but but these these uh, these trials uh, on Ilum are um, they're not quite to that degree because they were very surface like they were they were a lot more simplified it was one aspect for Luke. It was, it was a lot of different things. It was, um, his own overconfidence. That was, that was the lesson that he was learning, or at least right. supposed to learn. Cause you says to him, didn't you learn anything in the cave? Like, don't go fight Vader. You're not ready like that. That's what, that's what you learned in the cave. Realize that you need to be more humble and that sort of thing. Um, but there was there's also the aspect of of um uh he wants revenge on vader at that point because up until the end of empire you have to remember that luke only thinks of vader as this uh he's he's only ever seen him once and when he did see him it was for a brief second as he cuts down obi-wan kenobi and 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 then uh, sort of turns towards them, and he blasts the the controls to the blast door, and it shuts, and that's it. And then his only other contact with him, as far as we know in the movies, Splinter of the Mind's Eye doesn't count, uh, but or the Marvel comic series. Uh, but as far as we know in the movies, his his only other encounter is is when they're both in spaceships, and they don't know really know that it's one another. So uh, he just sees him as this evil thing to attack so i i've always sort of thought that that the the cave wasn't trying to tell him that vader is his father which is what a lot of people read in there i think it was just trying to to impart to him that whatever it is that led vader down that path is within him as well just like it's within any jedi so um, there's that aspect uh, of the trial of spirit that I think is kind of missing. And, and it's, it's that sort of multi-layered element to it. Whereas this, because it's their first trial, it's, it's this, uh, this trial just to get the crystal for their lightsaber to sort of earn that. And at the same time, learn something about themselves, uh, overcome an obstacle. Uh, it, it's a little bit different. So 
there's a lot of similarities and i do like the aspects of of the the cave on dagobah and and sort of the the yoda's teaching moments from from uh ambush and all of that stuff that kind of comes together but i think one of the one of the great things that they did with this episode is that they took aspects of the star wars mythology that we know and that we're intimately familiar with that we've all sat and we've had conversations and we've thought about at length as huge fans they took those things they distilled them and then they infused little bits of it into this trial at the same time making this trial its own thing so the aspect of it being in in the uh the ice caverns um the aspect of of the sort of the timed challenge of of the wall coming down um and the idea that they would be trapped in there um and all of that stuff was unique to this story that it's not from empire or from any of the other uh stories that we've gotten about about jedi trials but then it just it shares so much with those stories at the same time so it uh, it was familiar but it was also new so so uh, it fits in well with everything else that we know about the Jedi, but it also sort of illuminates a little bit of the process of becoming a Jedi. And I think that this this story is a story that that answers so many questions for all of us fans who sat there going like, "What is?" the process of building a lightsaber is it unique to each jedi do they just get given a set of parts and put it together um and and so far the only real information that we've gotten has been from shadows of the empire where luke goes to the to uh ben's hovel on tatooine and you know opens up his his trunk of old stuff and finds the pieces to put together a new lightsaber and builds his own lightsaber but i uh, uh, and it's been such a long time since since I've really like been into the Shadows of the Empire stuff. So I don't, and I never really read the books. I I read the comic and I played the video game, and I figured that was enough. I <laughs> I I don't recall anything of it being sort of of a spiritual nature when Luke built his lightsaber. Um, and we definitely like that. There was a there, there's the deleted scene from Return of the Jedi where we get a little bit more. Uh, uh, of, a, of a peek into what that is and Luke is obviously in a very meditative state in that scene because Vader is able to call out to him they're, they're able to connect for that moment so um, I've always assumed as a fan that, that when a Jedi goes through you know sort of the traditional rite of passage of building their lightsaber that there would be all these spiritual aspects of, to it similar to the cave and similar to other things that we've that we've uh, seen and read about the Jedi trials. So, um, and they alluded to in, in the prequel trilogy. So, so to start to get to see that stuff, I think uh, there's a lot of fans out there who are overlooking that aspect because it's a story about younglings, because it's a story about Padawans. They're, they're having that same initial reaction that they had when Ahsoka was introduced to the show. And now in its fifth season, uh, nobody cringes at the beginning of this episode when they see Ahsoka, right? Ever, we've all kind of gotten past yeah. Ahsoka is a part of the Star Wars universe as much as anybody else for fans of the Clone Wars. Uh, if you don't watch the Clone Wars, then you're sort of outside of that that group of people. And, and I know that there's a lot of fans out there who remain outside that group of people for some silly reason. But I, 
but it was very similar that a lot of the things that I was reading. And it's interesting because our our sort of loyal listeners and everybody who's who's on the Facebook group, I we were we've all been talking about it all weekend as everybody's sort of seen the episode and they're leaving their 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 thoughts on it. Um, and it seems like we're all on the same page. We're all like, that was really cool. They're they're interesting characters. Uh, the the aspect of the trials and the cave and and all of these different things are really cool. But then when I was looking at the uh, the StarWars.com or no, sorry, the Star Wars: The Clone Wars official Facebook fan page, uh, they had posted I think on Saturday morning uh, the the concept art, the the turnarounds for the for the baby Ahsoka uh, model, and I uh, I in the in the comments. I, it was just like it was heated. People were were pissed right off that this storyline is even happening, and I think that a lot of those those fans, uh, they're fans of the Clone Wars, and just like anytime Star Wars fans get mad and they start railing against something, it's not because they hate Star Wars. And so you know, those of us who are enjoying it, don't go getting upset with those people. The problem here is that they love Star Wars just a little bit too much, just like all of us, right? It's that passion that's at a boiling point at all, particularly this last week, <laughs> where I think we're all like very, uh, very intense right now uh, in, in re- regards to Star Wars. Uh, you announce all that stuff, and then the episode that you put out that, that Saturday is an episode about baby jedi right like right, uh, yeah. yeah people who are really uh they're really invested in the characters they're really invested in what's going on particularly in the darth maul storyline for good reason because it's been handled so well that we're all going what's happening what's going on where are those characters we want resolution to those stories and don't worry like relax everybody bring it back down to a simmer because it's we're gonna get it by the end of the season we'll get it if if they show us now then it's just done then it's just in the past and we've already seen it so don't worry about it try and enjoy the stuff that we're getting right now for what it is stuff like the 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 unofficial canonized look at how Jedi traditionally build their lightsabers the answer to so many questions that we've all had as fans since we first saw a lightsaber flicker to life at whatever age you were when you first saw that you went that is the coolest thing ever I want to know more and here's four episodes that are going to tell us more so just you know take that aspect of it take these things that, that relate to Empire and enjoy them just have fun with it, you know. Stop, stop getting bent out of shape. In a few weeks, we'll be back to Jedi lopping off the heads of Mandalorians and Darth Maul, you know, killing everybody that he comes in contact with, and all sorts of awesome stuff. And yes, we will get to see Darth Sidious fight Darth Maul and Savage Press. It's coming. We've already seen the trailer. It's gonna happen. Don't worry. Just, just. I think we can all learn a little bit something from Gunji in this episode and just have a little bit of patience. Just a little Just a little patience. Yeah, you know what? I was at the same same thing, Mike. Like you said, Where's my, I want that resolution to this Darth Maul thing. And then I found out they're doing the thing as I was like doing this 
you know, Younglings episode, I was like, oh, okay, no big, you know, I was like, cool, I'm watching, you know, it's kind of, kind of neat to see how lightsabers built, but I wasn't like jazzed up or anything. And then watching it, and like was talked about on the Facebook, our Facebook group, you know, the magic of the Force was kind of coming back through there, seeing Yoda sit there and talk about these, the, the, the problems with these kids and everything. It was like that magic of the Force is back again. So, um, yeah, I was really happy with uh, with the end of this episode. Really good time. Look, looking forward to the next three. Uh, Eric, any last uh, comments about this episode? I uh, know. I mean, you guys really, you know, you you tackled most of the the stuff about it just now too. Uh, yeah, I just overall think, you know, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but yeah, just people do need to remember that Star Wars isn't just this sort of the 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 Darth Maul stuff. That's that's a great part of Star Wars. But it's never been all of Star Wars, and you wouldn't have, you know, really memorable, wonderful moments that we all love uh, of the droids or Chewbacca, who can be a tough character, but can also be played completely as like a lovable sort of big furry, you know, stuffed, to, you know, teddy bear of a character at some points. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I thought it was uh, it was. A, but at the same time, this episode wasn't, you know, worthless as far as the fact that it is showing an important part of any Jedi's, you know, sort of. Uh, education and so I was thinking you know again and realize and I'm not one of those people who freaks out if it contradicts some EU stuff so I was was thinking watching this episode you know okay it's kind of cool to think uh, did Luke come here in between Empire and Jedi you know or Ahsoka yeah Yeah. Anakin yeah yeah all these other characters we know you can think about their experiences there that's kind of a nice little thing to add to those characters and their backstory Mm -hmm. yeah well, I, you know, I, I think about that, and you look at the age that these kids are at, and they're at about the same age that Anakin was when he first joined the Jedi Order, and, and you know, he had a lot of catching up to do. And so you can start to think, like, when he was a kid, did he get to go do this? Or did he go through some other process because he was sort of a special case, right? And like you say, with Luke, where did he get his, his lightsaber crystal from? And, uh, and, you know, like, I'm okay with the idea that he got it from from uh from obi-wan kenobi from from ben's hovel on tatooine and all that sort of thing um that's never like these two storylines can coexist you know and and uh i'll go back to just with continuity because you brought it up just back to the same idea that i say every time we get into continuity arguments which is something that's coming up from this episode which i think is really silly um it's no different like i'm a huge superman fan and that's a character with decades and decades and decades of work coming close to a century of continuity for that character and uh at some point you have to reconcile inside yourself as a fan that different aspects of the continuity all have their place and that the idea of the character is much more important than having firm laws that they live by right like uh, and, and i always go back to superman because he is that he, he's the perfect example of, of a character who exists to be an ideal rather than the specifics of clark kent who came from krypton as kal-el and was sent there by his father because the planet blew up or the sun exploded or brainiac destroyed it or whatever it really doesn't matter that's not the important stuff the important stuff is what he stands for and so with star wars in the same way that i do with with the x-men and with superman and with uh indiana jones even who has very conflicting things within continuity there uh 
you 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 just have to look at it and go what's the overall what are the things that resonate with me and then you just have to weave your own mythology with it i mean there's no official continuity for any greek stories you know like there's 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 not you know this is the way that it happened they're myths and these are our modern day myths and we have to sort of take that and you get what you get out of it it's it's just like it's just like with these guys going into the into the ice cavern on Ilum and you know you, you you get out of it what you take in and and as fans when we look at stuff and continuity is going to be a big thing over the next few years with episode seven coming out and with uh with the clone wars coming to a close at some point soon i think uh and, and all of these sorts of things and what and and with detours coming out because there are some people who are upset that that's going to screw with continuity for some reason uh we just have to relax and just remember to enjoy it because it's star wars and and at the end of the day it's just they're just stories and you know enjoy what you enjoy and leave the other bits behind it's not a big deal nobody's gonna get mad at you well people are gonna get mad at you but don't let people get mad at you because you happen to believe a certain thing about the continuity and somebody else believes something different if you want to believe that what happens after episode six is the 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 Thrawn trilogy and the New Jedi Order and the horrible books that came after the New Jedi Order, that is entirely up to you. But <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy whatever I'm going to enjoy. It's all different stuff. You know? Yeah. And we all, like you said, follow Gunji and have a little patience. I like that. I like that. Hey, uh, we got to head over and over to uh, the Facebook, huh, Mike? Let's do it. Okay. Wait a minute. Play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you got my message. I saw part of the message. You... I seem to have found it. So speaking of this episode, The Gathering, uh, some, some, uh, I think it was Lederhosen and Trooper, uh, kind of a new Facebook uh, poster and uh, really active, so we love that. He says, uh, hey, who was your favorite young youngling? in the gathering and why and, and we had a few uh responding or for you that responded to that uh, jason hunt who does uh, the wampas lair uh he likes of course the wookie like you said mike a lot of people like gunji the wookie uh and he liked bith too the thorian uh how can he said how can you not love a kid wookie with a tooth sticking out of his uh the bottom of his mouth so i thought that was kind of funny and i love how expressive biff ended up being within his incredibly alien physiology uh kyle avery uh he also he thought those were his favorites the wookie uh, he also liked zat and katuni um you know like, like i said he loved the wookie uh later who's a trooper uh he went in thinking it'd be gunji now i assume that that is his nickname better check wikipedia that's a, some more stuff he's saying here. uh let's see but uh, he, he thought Bith stole the show as far as later as a trooper. And then Adam Doty also liked the Rodian and Petro. So uh, like you said, Mike, everybody's uh, jumping on this uh, particular episode and making a lot of comments and talking about the mythology of, of the Force and, and the magic and all that. So, uh, hey, this episode garnered a lot of uh, responses on Facebook. So that's cool. Let's. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it's just everyone was leaning towards uh, Gunji when we started seeing stuff. And then it's funny, after everybody saw the episode, people had different opinions. 
<laughs> like they started to go, you know, like, yes, Gunji was really cool. And like, who doesn't love a Wookiee? But the other characters, I think it's one of the things that was so great about the episode is that each and every one of those characters had their, their little bit to relate to, like I said earlier. And so people came out of it going like, well, I, I did really like Gunji. Don't get me wrong. I also really like this character and I also really like this character. And some of these people were, were the ones that a week ago going into this were like, Oh man, really don't want to watch this baby story. And you know, like that sort of thing, but coming out of it, they're like, Oh, but I really like that part. And I really like this part. And that was really cool. So, so it's good. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that they getting such a great response and I can't wait for the next three episodes. Yeah, definitely look forward to it. Let's talk about that right now. Uh, next week's episode is entitled A Test of Strength. And the younglings fight pirates with improvised traps after they're attacked on their way home from Elam. And check out this preview for next week. The Jedi ship is right in front of us, sir. Lose them and you lose more than your head. Our attack must be swift and devastating. It cannot have time to get away. Mm. I thought we weren't going to mess with Jedi anymore. <laughs> These aren't Jedi. My sources say they're just younglings headed back to the Jedi Temple from a training mission. <laughs> with the most important treasure in the universe, Kaiba crystals used for making laser swords. The price for just one would make a man rich. And we all know how much I like to be rich. Don't we? All right, Mike, and guess who's back again? Our, one of our favorite characters, obviously. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I'm looking forward to this again. Um, what else? Why am I drawing a blank on his name all of a sudden? Hondo. Gosh, damn Golly, that was a brain, brain fart right there. But yeah, Hondo's back, and I wonder if he knows that uh, Yoda is actually on the ship with him. I don't know. We'll find out. He thinks it's just youngs, but what do you think, Mike? We get Hondo back again. So this is going to be the Home Alone episode of, of the Clone Wars. I, <laughs> these guys are going to – it says right here, improvised traps. So that, to me, just, just shouts Home Alone. And I, who, who better to spring improvised traps on than Hondo Anaka and his goofy pirates? I, Matt, I thought that I enjoyed the gathering a lot. If you bring Hondo into the mix, holy smokes. I'm now excited for this episode. Yeah, Eric, uh, Hondo's really been making a splash this season, and he's become one of my favorite characters. Uh, him and Cad Bane are the top two. What do you think of Hondo? Oh, he's a great, great character. Um, you know, yeah, definitely shows... The Clone Wars has created their own completely original characters that completely that resonate with fans. A lot of fans beyond the ones that we already knew and were invested in going in. Uh, really fun character. It is funny to have him appear in every single arc so far this season. Uh, that's that's a little surprising, uh, but I certainly enjoy the character, yeah. so I, I'm uh, happy to see more of him. Yeah, definitely, and that's going to be uh, coming up next week. It's called A Test of Strength. But I think that's going to do it for this week, Mike. We got it. That, that is going to do it for us. Uh, I just want to say thank you, Eric, for coming on. Yeah, uh, thanks. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, this is the part where we, we do all of our plugs. But before I give uh, everybody all of the URLs for where they can follow us, where can they find you? 
Uh, you can find my writing at uh, IGN.com slash TV, uh, IGN TV. Uh, once again, IGN.com slash TV. I'd also uh, say if, uh, you know, if you want to listen to talking about TV that's not just Clone Wars, although I try to touch upon it when I can, uh, Channel Surfing is the name of our podcast, the IGN TV podcast. You can find that on iTunes. And I'm on, on Twitter at Eric IGN. That's Eric with a C, IGN. Cool. Awesome. Well, I don't forget to check us out online. You can check us out at www.clonewarspodcast.com uh, over on Facebook at facebook.com slash Clone Wars podcast on Twitter at twitter.com slash Clone Wars. And uh, you can send all your questions, comments, feedback to mail at clonewarspodcast.com. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Eric, for coming on and talking the gathering with us. And uh, we will see you guys next week on Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. See you guys next week. Thanks. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.